what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I'm humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Your Bibles, you should be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. We've been there for several weeks. We want to continue our thought. So if you got, if you got that, we'll be reading from the New Living Translation. It says, finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord. Somebody say, in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus, to live in a way that pleases God. As we have taught you, somebody say, I've been taught. Somebody said, like you mean it, I've been taught. So, so the word of God is teaching you how to live. And it's my job to urge you to do what the word of God is teaching you. Amen? He said, now look, we're doing okay. You live this way already. But we encourage you to do so more and more. So if wherever you're at now, you can go a little bit higher. Whatever you're doing now for the Lord, you can do a little bit. If you're living okay now, you can live a little bit he says, for you remember what we taught you by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated by our Lord. Well, this is going to be our third sermon in a series that we've entitled, How You're Living. And I said the intent of this uh, question is for us to do a self-examination, you know, where we study our own behavior, not your neighbors, not your friends, not your family, but study your own behavior and motivation. A time where you allow the word of God to cause you to take an introspective and contemplative look at yourself in order to answer the question, how you living? Now, I said that the word live and walk is sometimes used interchangeably in the Bible. The translation that I'm using will use the word live, but you may have a Bible that used walk in its place. But they basically mean the same thing. So live is how we act or conduct ourselves to control and order our behavior in a way that pleases, honors, and glorifies God. Now, the word lives implies a continuous action, so it's not something we do one and stop, once and stop. It's not a one-off. Amen? It means to keep on living and to habitually walk in a way that glorifies the Lord. And so as we continue our journey today, I want to kind of subtopic this message, living under the influence. You know, some of us have heard the terminology, Cliff, driving under the influence. And, and, and normally when you're driving, it used to be a time you could only think about alcohol. But in my research, I find you can drive under the influence of weed. And if you get too much of it in your system, you can get a driving under the influence citation. And normally when you get cited, you have to go before the judge in a court to find out just how guilty, but I want you to live under the influence so that when you come before the judge, that he's going to honor you with favor and not a fine. Somebody, y'all know somebody who done got fined for driving under the influence. I want somebody to get fined for living under the influence. Amen? My first turn is in Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, verse 9 through 14. See, God expects us to live in according to the dictates of the Holy Spirit, not according to our old nature. When God sacrificed Jesus for our sins, he declared and ended the control of sin in our lives. So to ensure that we no longer live dominated by our old sinful nature, it's in other, he gave us the Holy Spirit. Amen. Somebody say Holy Spirit. We just got through singing about that. Your spirit lives with. Uh-huh. You sung it, but do you believe it? Because I'm going to show you that if it's not in you, you don't belong to. You don't belong to him. So you don't have a choice. If you belong to him, his spirit is in you. 
Now, how you allow it to influence you is another thing. So I want you to see today that you got to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. God put him in you so that he would have some say-so in your life. Now look what Paul told the Romans. He says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. Somebody say sinful nature. That before the Holy Spirit got in you. He says, now you are controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, that's a condition there. You got to determine, do you have him? Because if you have him, he's supposed to be con. Ah, I know, I know this wasn't going to go too good. But look what he says. And remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in him, in them, do not belong to him at all. So I need to ask the tough question. Is he in you today? If he's in you today, you ought to say amen. You ought to shout hallelujah. Because if he's not in you and you're sitting up in here, you don't belong to And if you are in him, in here, and he's not in you yet, you will have opportunity. But if you say you're saved, he's already, you just need to allow him to produce what God wants him to produce in your life by allowing the fruit of the Spirit to come forth. So, so, so you don't have to come up here and get in line for me to touch your head and, and, and push you down for you to think you got the Spirit. I'm saying that if you belong to Jesus, the Spirit is already. Look at this, what he says. He says, as Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin. So this physical body is going to die whether you're good or bad. Sin going to take everybody out. Adam messed it up, so we all going to die one way or the other. I'd rather die saved than unsaved. He says now, your body will die because of sin. The Spirit gives you life. The Spirit of God is designed to give you eternal life so that when this body stops functioning, there's something else on the inside of you that's going to guarantee your salvation and that you're going to spend eternity with the Lord. He says, now look. He says, because you have been he says, and Christ lives in you, even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right. Somebody say right. You have been made right with God. So you're no longer God's enemy. You and God are good buddies right now. And so therefore, because you know that and the Spirit of God is living in you, then you ought to be living under the influence of the... Amen. See, some of y'all are like, you, you need to be sighted. The Holy need to stop you right now and give you a ticket and say, hey, look at here, you don't know who you're living under. I just dropped by a clip today to just cite some folks. I just want them to know what's on the inside of them. Because if they really understood what's on the inside of them, it'll change the way they conduct themselves. It'll change the way they see themselves, and it'll change the way they live. They just don't know. And look here, ignorance does not work in your favor when it comes to the things of God in your life. Look here, he says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So let, let me, can we modify that just a little bit? I ain't going to change God's word, but if you don't make it, it'll make it look like I'm talking to you. It sounds like I'm just doing all the talking down to you. So I would like to say, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. got to read that like he's talking to you. So he said, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in Okay, and just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he will give life to my mortal body by this same spirit which lives within. He's supposed to be giving you new life because he's already in you, and if you accept him as being in you, then he can help you live like God wants you to. Now look at this, this is tougher. He said, now, now because he's in me, Cliff, Finley, because I know I got this power on the inside of me that's supposed to be a greater influence than the world on the outside of me, then guess what? I got to understand something. He says, now look. He says, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation. Somebody say no obligation. 
See, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urged you to do. See, you are no longer legally or morally bound to your old nature. You have no, somebody said no obligation. You have no obligation to the old you. And if you have no obligation to the old you, then why are you taking orders from the old? You just don't know. You've been set free from the old you, so therefore you should not be taking orders from the old you. You have no obligation, Herb, to your old nature. Even though your old nature is in you and your old nature is going to raise head up, you have. We're living like we're still obligated to what we came from. Instead of what God is trying to get us to and how he's trying to give us to live, we, get us to live, we're living like we're still under the control of our old. When you don't have no obligation to him. And the only reason we can stay obligated to the old us because we're a slave to the old us. What controls you is your master. And so therefore, you got to realize you're under new ownership now. You got something on the inside of you that's supposed to free you up from the, from the old you. He says, now we have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges. Urge. 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 See, the old you going to, he's going to give you them propensities and those urges. But when those urges come, you got to overcome them with what's on there. Now that you know who's in you and what his role is in you, then guess what? You have no obligation to that old urge. Whatever that urge is in your life that go contrary to this word, you have no obligation to it. You can talk to it and tell her, I ain't doing that no more. Your sinful nature urges you to do. Whatever it urges you to do, I guarantee you don't line up with what God wants you to do. But look at this. If you live by its dictates, if you live by your old nature dictates, you will die. Now, he's not talking dying physically there because he already, we already know that, but you're going to die spiritually. That new nature that's on the inside of you, if you li keep living like the old you, you're going to kill what God done put in you. Amen. So, so just, just, just close your eyes and just say to yourself, stop killing the Holy Spirit. I mean, just stop it. And then get that little speech ready for some of your friends that you know out there that their old nature is just coming on. And, they, and you, they just need to be educated to know that, hey, you got something on the inside of you that can tell you that you're not obligated to the old you. So therefore, you need to stop killing what God has put on the. He says, but if the power of the spirit you put, but, but if through the power of the spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature. So the Spirit of God can help you put to death your old nature. Then he said, you will live. For all who are led, somebody say led. Led by the Spirit are children of, you're under new ownership. Amen. We often say we're a child of God. Amen. How many of you ever confessed that I'm a child of God? You want people to know I'm a child of God. Oh, yeah, okay, that's good. I hear your confession. I, I like your proclamation. But Finley, when we say I'm a child of God, there's an expectation that comes along with that. As a child of God, he got a way that he want me to live and the way that he want me to conduct myself and carry myself. So when I say I'm a child of God, I got to act like I'm a... Second Corinthians. Chapter 6, now that we understand that the Holy Spirit is in us, and as we live under his influence, we must strive to live, you know, like we are the temple of God. You ain't just you no more. We ain't just, you know. We're a temple. Amen. See, you, see, you got to agree with this. You got to see you as being a temple. 
Because if you see you as your old you, you'll do anything to you. But if you see you as being a, you just won't do anything to the temple. You just won't put anything in the temple. You just won't let anything lay on there. But if you don't see yourself as a temple, then you will defile you. Oh, God, I know this ain't the type of message we're supposed to be preaching, but I, I just I can't get around them when they say how you're living. You got to ask the question. So what you got to see is you, you're the temple. And look here, the church is who we are. Because we collectively is God's temple and God is always with us. We gather in this building or online for corporate worship, but the sobering truth is that when we leave here, our corporate worship experience, or we leave this experience, God leaves with us. And how we live out there is more important than what you're doing in. Because in here, you're going to put on the right face. You may be the devil's son-in-law, but in here, you're going to act like you got some sense. But it, what I'm trying to get you to see, you don't press God in here, impress God in here, we impress him out. When we start living like a temple in the world. And see, when he wrote this to the Corinthians, the Corinthians were coming out of a lot of heathenism. A lot of temple worship. A lot of things went on in the temple that they worship in. Sexual stuff took place during worship. They worship idols. They did a lot of bad things. And so what happened, Cliff, is like us coming to the Lord new. We don't discard all that stuff that we did before Jesus. Because nobody tell us right off the bat, hey, that the new nature done took place on this side of you. You're a new creation. You're not obligated to what you did yesterday. You're not obligated anymore. But see, until I learned that and my, my body started to agree with my spirit, then I will still live like my old. And so these Corinthians, they were coming into the church, but they hadn't dealt properly with their old. And so because of that, they were still teamed up with some folk that was no good to them. And what you got to see is that God said, once you come to me, you can't team up with everybody. And team up here is talking about being in a close, binding relationship. Now, if you're married, you're already there. Whether your husband or wife is saved or not. He told them earlier, if you're married to an unbeliever, as long as they want to stay with you, you stay with So this is not a scripture to use to, to unbind your marriage. This is the one you need before it. So some of those, those of you who are in that phase of your life where you're about to make that decision, you don't need to yoke up with somebody that don't have the same nature you got. And so what he's saying here, in the analogy that they understood, you can't take an oxen cliff and team it up with a donkey. Because their natures are... You can't take a pig and put it with a sheep. Their natures are... And when you hook up, with a pig, and you got a new nature, things just ain't going And some folk are coming to church and still trying to hook up with pigs. They just don't know. They got to... Now, y'all all say amen. You ain't some of those folks. I'm just saying some folks. I, thought, I know you don't want to hear this. I know it because this is a tough passage of Scripture because sometimes it means that you're going to have to Discard some things and some people if you want to do what God called you to do. If you want to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit, some things and some people got to. This is now I know. He's not telling us not to associate with people. You got to when you witness to them. But you got to know how to be in association without getting contamination. 
I don't mind going around people to witness about the Lord, but I'm not going to allow them to contaminate me to do what they're doing. And if I know that I cannot live above contamination, then I don't put myself in that. In so he was trying to remind them who they were. He said, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? You don't have to be a scientist to figure that out. We can turn the light off in here right now, and it'll get as dark as night. But the minute I turn the lights back on, darkness got to go. We've been trying to make two things hook up that ain't just designed to exist in the same place at the same time. I'm talking to the young folk now, some of y'all who, who gonna get married one day, y'all really need to read this one real good because you need to have some criteria before you walk down the aisle. You don't wait for the criteria to come after. You need to have the criteria before you say I do. Amen. You need to ask the tough question before you say I do so you know who you hooking up with. You don't want to be hooking up with somebody that have no values that you got. You know, you, you just, oh God, I know it. That nature is no... <laughs> It's nothing like you. But because you're looking at things with your natural eyes, instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you, you are blinded by your own natural desires. <laughs> How can light live with darkness? That ain't hard to figure out. He says, what harm in there? What peace can there be between Christ and the devil? You can't mix the two. You can't merge Jesus and Satan and think you're going to get something. What you're going to get is something that ain't supposed to exist together. You may try to create something, but it ain't going to be what God wants. You're going to have to make up in your mind that some things that when you allow the Spirit of God to come in your life and lead you, that just some things that you just don't match up with no more. Can I get an amen right there? Y'all making me think I'm preaching to myself. <laughs> he says, how can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? Now, you know what? This even goes to sometime in your business dealings. I mean, you a business person, some of y'all are business people. You, ought, you don't just hook up and get in business with anybody just to make a dollar here. No, you ought to check out the folk you've been into a binding agreement. That way you ain't got to sue them later. Because y'all got similar spirits and we done checked this thing out and now we're going to work as friends and not enemies. Some of you young Christians, I know, and you still got friends that you're close to. That's okay. But you got to keep coming to church and keep getting in this word so you can grow. You can't stay a baby Christian hanging with your old grown friends. Because they've grown in what y'all used to do. You're a baby in what you're trying to learn. And so therefore, you're unequally. I mean, before you know it, they're going to have you back doing what y'all used to. Why? Because they got more influence on you than the Holy. It says this. And what union can there be, be between the temple of God and idols? Then it says... For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them, and I will be their God and they will be my people. You belong to him now. He said, now therefore, come out from among unbelievers. Separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy, filth, filth, filth. They're filthy things. Some of y'all, you know what a filthy thing is. Because you used to touch filthy things. He said, now that you done came out among them, don't go. You know, if you was in witchcraft, whatever, you can't go back to the pentagram. You can't go back to spinning that thing and talking to that thing. It's filthy. If you used to live and be guided by your horoscope, you can't go back to that. That's filthy. It didn't come from God. 
that revelation you got will fit anybody. Them folks didn't have you in mind when they wrote that down. You need to be listening to somebody that's on the inside of you, not read what somebody else done wrote that don't know you. Somebody say filthy. Man, he said, you got to, don't touch that filthy thing. You know, even in the world, when I was in the world, we, we kind of knew what filth was. That's why we called us something like dogs, stuff like that, because we were just filthy. I mean, I was just, some of y'all was, wasn't dogs, but I was just filthy. And so when the Spirit of God came in, I got serious about this thing. The old dog had to, come here, roof roofing. Dog got to, because my nature done changed. Made the nature done. The old dog is a filthy. He said, when you put away the filthy things, I will welcome. So I let you know that God don't want to be around filthy. Oh, Lord, have mercy. And I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Relationship. Want to be our father, but he want us to clean our act up a little bit. He already done made preparation by giving us Jesus. He already done made preparation by giving us the Holy Spirit. So the, the potential to clean up our act is already in us. We just have to come in agreement with what God has already done. Ephesians, look at this. Ephesians chapter 4. Living under the influence is a process that requires us to, and I just said this, but I'm saying it in a different way now, throw off some things because we don't want to continue to live in a way that brings sorrow or ways that grieve. See, you didn't know this spirit on the inside of you can get sorry because of you. He can start crying. And it's a shame for us who know God. And got his spirit on the inside just crying like a baby. <laughs> I wish Boulder would just get his act together. <laughs> He's been talking about that for years. I'm just crying, you know. And he keep, he don't realize I'm the temple. He keep pouring all this stuff on top of me. I'm about ready to jet up. I'm about ready to get up out of this rascal. Because I done already said I can't dwell in unclean. He ain't finna jet on you right away. He ain't gonna even be a victim himself like that. He gonna give you some time. He gonna mess with your heart and your mind a little bit so that you'll consider making some changes. Look at this. Y'all in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21. And I got quite a bit to read here, but I'm gonna get through it real quick. Try to. He says, now look in verse 20. He says, since you have heard about Jesus. How many have heard about Jesus? If you done heard about Jesus, just say Amen. He says, now, since you have heard about Jesus and learned the truth that come from him, throw off. Somebody say throw off. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupt, corrupted by lust and death. You was living a lie. You was deceived. And he said, now that you done came in contact with the truth and you've been taught about Jesus, you done heard about Jesus, then now it's time for you to take action. You got to throw off. It ain't going to just jump off cliff. If it was going to jump off, I'd be, all of us would be living like we ought to be living. But it ain't like that. You got to. If you don't throw some folks out your life, they ain't going nowhere. They're going to just keep on hanging around. Now, you throw them away in a nice way, but you just, I mean, I, don't, I can't make this easy for you. Some people got to. I wanted to hold on to all my old friends too. We were dogs. We ran together. We did things together. But at some point in time, our natures no longer lined up. So they had to. And because I was t trying to live right, it wasn't that hard because they cut me a loose before I really cut them a loose. They figured, hey, we ain't gonna even call him no more. So I got I got off the list. I wasn't on the call list no more. I wasn't on the text message. You know what I mean? They just deleted my name off the text. So when the text about the, you know, we're gonna go and get down a little bit. Boom, I ain't even know I hear about it afterwards. And at first that used to bother me because my old nature was worn. But as I started to grow and mature, I didn't mind. Leave me off the list. I don't do that no more. I done been in that pig pen before. 
I know how the game is played down there. I got a new master and a new game. So look here, I'm glad that you, the Lord cited me and told me, hey, you can't go in that pig pen anymore. <laughs> I know it's tough. Because the old you just don't want to give up easy. You know, it just don't want to give up, man. It just, because, you know, some of the things we did before, gee, we liked doing them. It just made us feel good. And anything that gratifies this flesh, flesh don't like to stop. We're deceived. That's why I say, man, you got to, you're under deception. You think you're having fun and all that, but you, you're destroying your temple. Every time you cross the limits with that weed, you're destroying the temple. Even if it's recreational. You got to know what's your limit. I ain't trying to tell you. If it's legal, you won't do it. And if God don't, that's what you want to do. But you got to know, hey, I can't take but two hits. My limit. Because after I get past that, I'm under the wrong influence. Now, I want to get you delivered off all of it, but some of y'all going to say, well, Pastor, that's just recreation. You know, some people have a glass of champagne, so therefore, this is how I recreate myself. Okay, I ain't going to argue with you today. That's another lesson. I don't want you to leave here mad. That's another lesson. But I just want to say, if you insist on it, you got some friend that's still hitting it like that, you need to say, hey! <laughs> you need to know your limit, man. Your pupils have your pupils got pupils. <laughs> Let me look in your eyes. Don't y'all try to sit here and play me. You know, in our day, you know, we were not, that was never my thing. But you know, the Bible said, distill spirits. Distill. They told you before you put it in, it was dead. And it was no good for you. And you putting a dead spirit inside of a live. You got the live Holy Spirit on the inside of you, and you finna put some Jack Daniels on top of Cavassier. <laughs> Y'all drink it down, you know, whatever. Whatever they drink it down, you know, they, you know, they drink top shelf down. They, they. It's still dead. I don't care what the name on it say. It's a dead. Now, I'm here to tell you, if you don't get drunk, I ain't got no problem with you. But sometimes the Holy Spirit may decide that you don't need that no more. And if he decides that you don't need it no more, follow him. Pastor, I'm not going to stand here and tell you that, you know, because you still have a little toddy at night because you think it makes you sleep good. Keep on toddying up with your coffee. But look here, know your limit. You can't get drunk to go to sleep. <laughs> How you gonna sin to go to? Look here, 20 years ago, y'all wouldn't have got that out of me. I was a no-nonsense, no-alcohol, no-nothing type guy. So y'all getting a revised version because I realized that the sin is Drunkenness. Because I never was a person who drank, drunk that much. You know, a, a little at all. I wanted everybody to be like me. You don't need to drink nothing. Wine for your heart problems? Welch's grape juice. Got a little picture on the bottle that says it'll, it's good for your... So I'm saying, that was me 20 years ago. But now if you want a little Manish Shevis, Morgan Day, whatever it is, for your heart, as long as you don't get drunk. Because Jesus' first miracle was around wine. And contrary to what I was told when I was young as a Christian, that was wine that he turned that water into. Because them Jews understood how good it was. And they told him, you, the master, man, you say the best. So I, I'm not ascribing to the fact that he just made some grape juice. 
He made something to make that wedding get married. You can get married, but don't get... And if the Holy Spirit tell you, hey, that's something you got to give up, don't fight him. Don't fight him. I'm telling you. He's telling you that for your own good. He's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to help us. And so we've got to realize that we've got to stop fighting against him because when we do, then we can grieve him. He said, now look. He said in verse 23, instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Until your mind changes, you ain't going to change. If the Holy Spirit don't change the way you see the thing you do and how you carry yourself and remind you of that, and you don't accept that, you're not going to change. That's why you got to transform the way you think. you got to renew your mind. The battleground for you now is your mind. If the devil can continue to control your mind, he can control you. That's why you can't look at everything, listen to everything. Everything just can't get into your mind unchecked. We let too much stuff in that it go unfiltered. You need the Holy Spirit to filter some of the stuff that you're letting into your mind. So he says, now look, if you allow it, it can help renew your thoughts and attitude. Ain't nothing like a Christian with a bad attitude. Just saved and ain't never happy. Never smile. Just bad attitude. They don't, for, they don't forgot that the Holy Spirit is on the inside of them. You can't represent him with a bad Verse 24, I'm going to quiet now. He says, put on your new nature. That's something you got to do. Created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. He even told you what is expected. Once you put him on, the new nature, he's supposed to live in righteousness. Can somebody say holiness? Come out and shout holiness. That's not a bad word. I know sometimes Christians, ooh, holy, ooh. They just don't understand what holy means. They've been taught that, you know, holy is dressed. He ain't say go get you a long dress or put on a suit all the way down. He ain't say that. You, you can't walk around with, you know, with short sleeves on. That ain't how you define holy. Man, you can have on a long dress and still cuss folk out. You can have on a three-piece suit and alligator shoes. And still cuss folk out. So, so you're dressed on the You know, I think we got, you know, we, we sung song, Brother JP, that fooled us. We got to say, I looked at my hands, and they looked, I looked at my feet, and they did too. And you lied to yourself. Because your hand and your feet still looked up. If you had a corn on your toe, when you got saying it's still. He wasn't talking about your outer person. He said something got to change on the inside of you. Your mind and your thoughts got to change. If they don't change, it don't make no difference what you say. He said, now when you understand that you're supposed to live truly righteous and holy, then now when you do that, you realize you're created to be like You got to stop letting folk to tell you that you've been created to be like somebody else. If you know you've been created to be like God, then live like it. At least try. You may not hit the mark every time, but at least shoot for it. Try to live like God sometimes. Just Just try to act like you his child. You know, sometimes your kids get grown, they won't do what they won't do. You just won't do just a little bit of what you told them to do. You're grown now, you can do you. But just remember a little bit of what we taught you. So when we see you, we can record. God wants to recognize us when he sees us. Why? Because he should, because his spirit is in us. 
our Lord. So look what he said. He started getting personal with us now. He tell them, stop telling lies. That's a simple test right there. Just stop lying. That's a good test that we're trying to live holy. Just stop lying. Lying just show up anytime, Brother JP. You have good intentions before you know you're lying. Misrepresenting the truth in word or deed is a lie. And a half truth is a whole lie. So he just says, one first week, say we do Finley, just stop. Yeah, just tell her the truth, Finley. If she ain't the one, she ain't the one. Don't lie to her. And baby, I, I like you, but the spirit done told me. You ain't the one. I ain't gonna lie to you and lead you on. And then six months later tell you, now I'm gonna tell you up front. I done seen it in a vision. You ain't. That's like you. But the Holy Spirit say, stop lying. That's what he said, just stop. Stop lying. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we are all part of the same body. Man, we're brothers and sisters in Christ's body, and we shouldn't lie to one another for sure. Then he says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. So you got to get control of your temper. He didn't say anger is sin, but he said if anger controls you. Anger is a natural emotion. But when you allow anger to go unchecked and you harbor it in your heart, it's going to lead to something else. So that's why he said you got to deal with your anger when it comes. You can't let it get the best of you because once you get angry, there's a potential for you to get violent. He said don't sin by letting your anger control you. And don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. I guess, you know, that's a good passage right there for husbands and wives. I mean, you've been arguing all day. Don't go to bed without getting it settled. Because while you're sleeping, the devil starts talking to you. And the next morning, you wake up with that same argument, ready to go again. Thought you done had a repast and then went to sleep. And we over it. No, first thing, I ain't even brushed my teeth yet. Oh, wait a We went to sleep on that thing. Anytime you're married and you wake up arguing and all day you're arguing, y'all sleeping on some stuff. I married people just came through a seminar and they ain't going to say, they better say, remember, they, you ain't you sleeping on. Sleeping on some stuff. Your best friend and you mad, y'all ain't talking to me. You're sleeping. Some of us got relatives. We ain't even called you. They ain't talked to me in years. Why? We sleeping. We done put that stuff to bed in our lives and it's still controlling us. And now we become angry at our own family members. Look at this. This is a profound statement here. He says, but anger gives a foothold to the devil. Some of your Bible say, you know, a toehold. But the, the analogy there when miners go down into these deep mines, in order to get out, they need a little place to put their foot in. Because once you start up the tree, or up the mine shaft, and you get your foot in, the momentum, you can keep going. You can keep climbing up. He just needs a toehold. He ain't trying to get in your whole house at the same time. He's just trying to put his foot in the door. Just enough to keep it cracked open. Because once I get a toehold in the house, it's just a matter of time before I work my way up. That's why he's down in the mine under your, but now you done gave him a toehold and he's working his way up to your knee. And before long, he's going to be in your head and then now your whole house is going to be a mess because you've been sleeping on too much anger. Y'all still haven't heard about Jesus, right? Because I know when you teach like this, people can, their old nature starts fighting this 
God's word and don't want to argue with God instead of learn from the thing that God's trying to teach. They look at you, don't let a toehold get in your house. You know, you give, give place to the devil, man, that dude going to take over your whole children going to be crazy. Everybody. <laughs> man, I wish I could just be real sometimes. Sometimes you talk to people who are going through some things. And you can see how certain things enter into their family. All because someone just let the enemy got a. You got to be wise enough because the Holy Spirit is in you to sense when the enemy is trying to get a toehold in your life. He's not going to overpower you right away. That's not how he operates. He just want a toehold. That's why the Bible always talks about, you know, it's kind of like, you know, yeast. Just take a little bit. But it'll spread throughout the whole loaf, Brother JP. You don't need much. That's why you have to have the Holy Spirit guiding you and leading you and living. You're living up under his control, living up under his influence. Then you can sense when the enemy is trying to get a He says, if you're a thief, quit stealing. Now, I wonder why I tell church folk that, but they just got saved now. These folks, they knew new believers. So at that time, I, I researched that and said, you know, some folks thought stealing wasn't bad back then if you were doing it for a good reason. I guess they had the Robin Hood mentality. You know, you take from those who got it, and as long as you give it to somebody poor, you know, it's okay. But now that you're saved, you can't steal. <laughs> Quit stealing. And I, you know, it don't mean you're going to walk in a store and steal something. There's a lot of ways you can steal things. You know, sometimes we steal from God because we don't give him the time that he deserves. We steal his time and we say we're going to give to him and then we turn around and give it to somebody or something He said, if you're a thief, stop stealing. And you know what? There's a difference between stealing and robbing. You know, normally when a thief comes, he don't want you to be at home. Because he want to kind of get in quietly, get your stuff, and get out. But a robber don't care. That dude will rob you walking down the street, Faye. He'll just come up and take your stuff right there. He's an easy one. Everybody, see, we're looking for the robber because we can see him coming. When you're supposed to be looking for the. So he says, quit stealing. Instead, use your hand for good, hard work. And then give generously to those who are in need. Then he come back and start giving with our mouth. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. So that you, your words will be an encouragement to those who hear. You know, foul, I don't know how y'all define foul in abusive language. I don't know how y'all define it. Because, you know, we used to could just say simply, you know, just don't cuss or don't curse. But now, you know, some people, that hey, ain't bad. You know, you see it in the movies now. It's going to everything. People use that like common language now. Words that we used to think was, ooh, you said that? People, I hear people saying that in front of their parents now. What? Man, boy, if I said that in front of my mama, my daddy, the backhand was coming right across my lips. Man, you, you just don't. So however the spirit leads you with this abusive language, hey, man, get rid of it. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that it will be encouraged for those who hear them. Then it says, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. So that means that this spirit that's on the inside of us, when we live outside of the parameters that God established for us, man, he can get fired. And we should never want to walk around with the Holy Spirit mourning on the inside. You got to get that realization, because if you don't believe he in you, and you don't believe you the temple, then you don't care. 
But if you really believe he's in you and that you are a temple, then you will be concerned when you do things that cause him to start weeping. This is why it's important. He says, don't bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit by the way you live. Then he says, remember. Somebody say, remember. Remember, he has identified you as his own. In other words, he has established and indicated who you belong to. By the Holy Spirit being on the inside of you, he's identifying you and establishing in you who you belong to. I've been identified. You know, you know, kind of identified. You know, like sometimes when you do get sighted, you go and stand in the line and they have to eyes. And so when you get sighted by the Spirit of God and they put you in line, what are they going to see based on your conduct and your character while you say, have you been eyes? You've been identified as being belonging to God, and because you have been identified, he guaranteed that you will be saved on the day of redemption. In other words, God gave the Holy Spirit to you as earnest money that he's going to keep his promise. And so, therefore, I don't want nothing to leave out of me that God gave to me as a guarantee. I'm not going to take a chance with my eternal salvation, believing that, hey, I done did some crazy out there, and now God done ripped through his... God has been known to do that. Just ask King Saul. When God took his spirit from him, his mind got. You've been saved to the day of redemption. Then he come back and I'm done. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all type of evil behavior. Instead, put in his place, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as through Christ, God forgave you. So therefore, when we start to act out of character, we're supposed to allow the Holy Spirit that's in us to remind us what God did for us. So when I start to act in a way that don't line up with him, the Holy Spirit will say, time out. You don't forget what the Lord did for you, boy. You better get back in line because he done paid a severe price for you, and now you finna get outside of this guarantee that's on your life. You finna start living in a way that don't glorify him. You better get a grip. You better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Look here, God is trying to speak to someone today through his spirit. He says it's time for you to evaluate yourself against his word and not against the world. You're not here to live in accordance with the world standard and the culture that you live in. You're here to live in accordance with that. I start off saying you have been taught. You know now that the Holy Spirit is in you because you said you accepted Jesus. And if you did that, he's... And I say submit to you and, and challenge you to say, hey, now that you know he's in you, don't treat him any kind of Because you're not just damaging you, you're damaging your relationship with him. I know this is kind of tough because some of y'all pastors, y'all, most of y'all, y'all living good. I mean, y'all just said, yeah, y'all just getting this message so y'all can share with your friends. But just in case there's one of the twos in here that I need to reinforce this with. When you hear that small, still voice, because everybody but how do I know? How do I know? You know, you know when you hear that small, still voice speaking to your heart and your mind, saying, don't do that. Or you need to do this way. You need to start obeying it and live under its influence and not your old nature. You already know what the old you're going to say. You've been dealing with him, you know. His game ain't changed. He's going to tell you or she's going to tell you. To. But you got to listen to that other voice. And God speak to us in a small, still voice. And he speak to us through his word. And sometimes his word, when you read it, it connects with what's on the inside of you. And when it connects on with what's on the inside of you, 
all of a sudden you could be reading something and man, the hair starts standing up on my neck. My neck get tight and get tense and I just don't want to let that scripture go because it's ministering to my spirit and I just want to eat on that and eat on that and get more and get more. I don't rush past that. Say, Lord, complete the work that you have started. You're trying to get me to see something in your word and I need to stay right here for a minute. Don't just read over it, but stand here, meditate on it, think about it, ponder it, so that once you get through reading it, you'll try to Live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Hallelujah. 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 Every head bowed and every eye closed. Got several appeals that we want to make. First appeal is for salvation. If you're here, and you've not made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, and you would like to do that, please raise your hand. If you're online, just send us a message. If you're here, just raise your hand. We believe that everybody ought to know and come into that relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're here, and you're looking for a church home, and the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart and saying that striving for perfection ministry is the place for you, Please raise your hand. If you're online, again, just send us an um, instant message. Just let us know or give us a call here at the church, 850-862-3899. If you're looking for a church home, I see no hands. A third appeal, if you're here, and you want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And this is not the same as I just got through preaching. When you got saved, the Spirit of God came in you. But the disciples on the day of Pentecost, he fell on them afresh and empowered them to go out and spread that gospel. And so therefore, I do believe that there can be an infilling and a, a refreshing of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking tongues. Has, it has nothing to do with your salvation. But if you want to know more information about that, we'd just like to share that with you. Because sometimes we need that boldness to go forth and do what God has called us to do. My fourth appeal is for prayer. If you're here and you got a prayer concern, I just ask that if you would, just stand at your seat. Stand at your seat. If you want to intercede for someone, want to pray for yourself, or the Spirit of God is just speaking to your heart right now, you know exactly what it is that you need from God. You know what you want to give him thanks for. You know exactly what he do. And that same spirit that's on the inside of you will help you communicate. The Bible says sometimes when you don't even know what you want to say and know what you need to say in prayer, the spirit of God will give you the words, give you the utterance that you need when you can't even put words to it. Because he already know God. He know you. He know your needs. Don't minimize the power of the Holy Spirit in your life when it comes to prayer. You don't have to be articulate. You don't have to quote every scripture in the Bible. You just need to be led by the Spirit. Be influenced by him, even as you're praying. Jesus told the disciples that when you stand before a great man, you don't even have to worry about the same, because in that hour, the same Spirit is going to give you what you need. So I believe when you go to God in prayer, the same Spirit that's on the inside of you will give you what you need to take to your Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Those of you that are not standing, I just ask that you set your hearts and minds to prayer. And if you want to pray for yourself or you just want to intercede with those who are standing, allow the Spirit of God to focus on, on them. Let us pray. Father God, in the awesome and magnificent name of Jesus, Lord, we come to you under the power of your Holy Spirit. And we know that we can come boldly before your throne. And so therefore, God, we thank you for the access. And God, we now open up our heart to you, our mind, our soul, and our spirit, and we make our petitions and our requests known. 
God, you already know what we have need of, but you still expect us to communicate with you in prayer. So therefore, God, I ask that you meet us where we are. God, some just want to say thank you, give you praise for, for being there with them. Some are asking God that you continue to lead them and guide them. Some are asking God that maybe you touch their body, their mind, their soul, strengthen them. Some, God, are standing because they need comfort. And God, we know that you're the God of all comfort. And you comfort us, God, so that we will be able to comfort others. And so, Father, we thank you for being our God in every situation. God, we thank you for where you brought us from. We thank you for where we are. But more so, God, we thank you for where you're taking us. We thank you for assisting us to live under the influence of your Holy Spirit. And God, as we continue to do that, we will have power to be an influence in the world that you placed us in. We are not here just to be here. God, we're here to make a difference. We're here to be light in darkness. We're here to shine. We're here to let your glory be seen. And God, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do for your people. Because you're not a respected person. What you've done for others, you would do for them. And so, Father, we say thank you. And now, God, by the power of your spirit, I just say as your word has gone forth, God, that it will run swiftly, that we will leave this place and represent you under the influence of the Holy Spirit. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise, if you will. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.